Bless you heaps. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad I'm here today. It wouldn't sound very convincing. All right. Hey, we're going to continue this morning for those who are familiar with the uh, series we just started last week on uh, Reimagine. And so I pray that in the next few moments that God will speak, speak to us and we'll, we'll be clear on what this season will look like. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy today extended towards us and we pray, Lord, that you would uh, begin to uh, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to be the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Help us to uh, be true to that which you uh, have given us and have in the plan and the mission that we have before us. Help us, Lord, we ask that we We acknowledge that we need your help and we cannot do what you have asked us to do in our own strength or in our own capacity. We definitely need you. So today may that be really clear as we contemplate and reflect today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue, as I said, looking at Reimagine and uh, I just get a sense that this is an opportunity for us to re-look at who we are, to re-look at our vision, our mission, our values, to reconsider what is God saying to us. And it's always good to do that. Sometimes we can get a word or we get something of our own direction or what God may be saying to us. But I, I, I believe we need to keep, keep that constant. I believe we need to be listening and discerning the seasons and the times in which we live. Reimagine is to imagine again or think in a different way. That takes us on a journey. It takes each of us on a pathway of discovery, hope, delight, challenge, uncertainty, and even times of confusion. And as I said, reimagine asks us to look at the vision. I believe really that it's important that not only is the journey important, but so is the destination. So I want to just challenge you with some things that I'm reflecting on in the last couple of weeks, and particularly this week, and I pray that you'll come along on the journey with us. I believe God is speaking to each of our hearts, but I believe this is a word for the church. So I just pray that as you receive this, receive it, but also receive it in the context of who we are. I believe, and we've been singing these songs, we just sang it then, and so Christians, I don't know if you really know what I'm preaching. Uh, I didn't want to bother you and ask you what you were speaking on. I'd like to just see how, what happens in the midst and if the two meet, and they have. And uh, I really believe that the heart of any church, by its existence and by its very nature, should be a place of restoration. Can I have an amen for that? It is so true. We must be a place that presents and believes in and goes after that sense that we can be whole, that we can be well, and that in that place of wholeness and wellness, that we are able to reach our community. That is what we have to offer. It's not my wellness, it's the Christ in me, his wellness and his life that I have to offer other people. Louis won't help anybody, really. I'm just flesh and blood. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory that transforms places and peoples and nations. Can I hear an amen? The essence of restoration then rests with who? You and me. That's where it rests, with yourselves, ourselves. 
In the biblical sense, restoration is a narrative from Genesis to Revelation. The biblical meaning of the word restoration is to receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state is greater than the original condition. Let me read that again. The biblical meaning of the word restoration is to receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state, our end state, is greater than our beginning or our original condition. Restoration includes reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry. So we're all called to be ministers of restoration and reconciliation. I think we need to step into that place more than ever before. And there is a shaking happening globally at the church, for the church, and it, and it really rests on these, these matters right now. It means that we acknowledge that by an act of God himself that we have received reconciliation, friendship, forgiveness, new life, empowerment for new life. Reimagine helps us to look at our destination. Otherwise, we could end up anywhere. It also helps us to enjoy the journey as well. Now, we're going to look at somebody in particular who, who didn't enjoy the journey really well, even the destination, and that is Jonah. And we could spend a lot of time on Jonah, but the book of Jonah, if you read it, the four chapters, 48 verses, it won't take long, have a look this week and ask God, read it slowly and ask God, what is he saying to you as you read it? Because this ultimately is a book about reconciliation and more so restoration. And we're going to look at this a little bit for ourselves today. So Jonah is a great picture that the challenge of restoration that God has called each of us to, but while also being a reluctant leader. His life is an example of what not to do, really. And in fact, we wouldn't probably be reading about Jonah and the focus wouldn't be so much on what his journey was like if he had just said yes. But this is the challenge. Now, in verse, I'm just going to read six verses out of the 48, but I'm just going to read six, the first few verses, just to set this up. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi, and it said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. Now, it was a great city. It was a very heathen, evil place. No one wanted to go there. No one wanted to be there. Anyone in some remote sense loved God would not want to even go near the place. They would stay uh, away. And call out against them, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Look at this, Tarshish. He, he flees to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, it says, he went down to Joppa and found the ship go to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Twice now we just read that from the presence and now away from the presence. This guy is called of God. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. We've been having some great winds, haven't we, the last few nights? Well, okay. Maybe they think so. And held a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners uh, were so afraid, and each one cried out to their God, and they hurled off the cargo from the ship into the sea to try and lighten the load so that they would be saved. But Jonah, 
had gone down to the inner part of the ship, laid down and was fast asleep. Finally they realised, where's Jonah? So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, go out to your God. Perhaps the God, uh, that God will give you a, a thought for us that we may not perish. This sets up the whole premise of what we're going to look at. The men on the ship were more afraid of God than Jonah. That's not a good place to be, friends. It's not a good place. And that will always lead to problems. Jonah was stubborn and he was selfish. It's a true life drama of restoration, not only for Nineveh, the people who didn't worship God. Amos is preaching to God's people and they don't even want to move. They don't want to even listen. A contemporary at this time, and Jonah is now called to a heathen people to go in. He's a missionary. He's a prophet missionary. And he decided to go the other way. Have a look at the map. You got a map there? We've got a map on... There he is. He goes Joppa and he goes right up to Tarshish. He's going all the way. Three and a half thousand kilometres in the other direction. He's running from God. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Forget it. No way. Very interesting. This is the journey. And so why... Because he didn't want to go, we get to see what was unravelling and what was happening in his own life. Let me be very clear. If the community or the church is not one of restorative grace or presence, then that's dangerous and that's sad. It should never be that way. People should feel the sense of love and acceptance no matter what. Isn't that what we stand for? Wouldn't you want the hope that people would feel in their deepest and dire straits moment that they would think that somehow the church, the people who belong to the church are the ones who would reach out with loving arms? But we don't. Because just like Jonah, we run from it and we get our own ideas and our own agenda and we think what we know is best. So when I speak about restoration, I'm speaking about not only what happened to a heathen people who really didn't deserve it, but neither do we. So I'm speaking about a person who knew God. And if you read the chapter, chapter 1, when he came up, he says, yes, I am a worshipper of God, almighty God. Really? Because what you're saying and what you're doing is not the same thing. I worship God, but I'm, where are you going? I'm just going, I'm going to just go do a boat trip. Friends, if you are a believer today, if you are a follower of Jesus today, and a follower of God's own heart, here are three non-negotiables for you, for me and for you. Don't forget them. Write them down, keep them, write them on your wall, remember them. You must consider these seriously. If you call yourself a believer, if you are a follower of God, really, truly, we need to ask ourselves these questions. I need to ask myself these questions. A church community must learn these lessons from Jonah because these are a warning for us. Number one, if you are a believer, make sure you're moving in the right direction. Make sure. Make sure you're moving in the right direction. The word of the Lord came to Jonah in verse 1. Arise and go to Nineveh. Look at this. This great city and call out against it for the evil has come up against me. Jonah, Jonah was a rebel. He was a fool and he didn't know that he was. That was the problem. He held the office of a prophet. He's meant to go there. He's meant to be one who knows God, who hears what God says and gives it and shares it with the people. He's the one who represented the sense of God's presence. 
Where is he? He's going in the wrong direction. He was the mouthpiece for God. He was a visual awareness for God. Jonah receives the word of the Lord. He heard it. But instead of taking the word, he takes off. The only problem is he's in and going in the wrong direction. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Where you are is of some importance. Where you are headed is of great importance. Think about that. Jesus said, follow me. That's the commission. That's the call. To listen, to heed, to obey. May we choose to obey, friends. May we choose God's way, not our way. Even if we understand it or don't. Our purpose as believers is to speak out and obey God's word. That's the bare minimum. To assist with this process of growing stronger and seeing people getting deeper relationships of Christ and each other. Seeing lives change in and through us. Are you going in the right direction? Did you 100% say, yeah, I'm in the right direction? I'm right where God wants me to be, right where I need to be. I'm making those decisions. I'm trusting God. Can you say that? See, often these times and places, God uses to help get us to face our own destructive behaviour. Jonah's biggest enemy was not Nineveh, not the people who did evil, not God's people, but himself. Himself. It's non-negotiable. Make sure you're a follower of the Lord, you're going in the right direction. Number two, if you are a believer, make sure you are serving the Lord from a right heart and not for your own interests. He paid the ferryman. Who knows the song? Don't pay the ferryman. Okay, don't even think it twice. Okay, we'll go there. Very interesting meaning behind the song. Anyway, we'll leave that for another day. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. No, don't do it. Don't stop. Don't Google it. Don't pay the ferryman. Jonah pays the ferryman. He goes and he heads off to Joppa and he goes off to, to uh, uh, Tashish. Look at this. This is really interesting. What's he doing? He sleeps. He's meant to be a prophet and he's sleeping. He's the one who is meant to demonstrate obedience and faithfulness and a good heart. But all the opposite seems to be true. Verse 5b, it says that Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. May we never become sleepy. May I never become, may we, you, never become sleepy to the mission that God has called us to. May we never do that. I know at times there are different challenges and seasons, but may we never become, like we heard before, numb to the message and the call and the commission that Jesus has asked us to be and to become. Because if we do, just remember this, God won't give up on us. Because this is what was happening with Jonah, the prophet, and God didn't give up on him. You would think Jonah would be concerned, but he's not, he's disconnected. He's lost the plot. He's not willing to pay the price. He's not willing to do whatever is necessary to get back on track. There are seasons for us, seasons of trouble and tribulation and turmoil, but they can also be opportunities to get us back and get our attention back on God. But if we go asleep, unmoved, 
unlearned by experiences. What does that say of us? What are we missing out on? If there's a disconnect from our mission and our purpose and our reason for being, what does that look like and what, how sad is that? We might go wonder, why is Jonah running away? Maybe he was afraid of the people, some say. They were terrible. They were very evil. They were vicious. They were nasty. You can read the prophet Nahum and look what he says about them as a reflective contemporary. Terrible people. But I don't think it was that. We'll learn why he didn't want to go there. Because he knew that God was faithful. He knew God would forgive them. He couldn't handle that. It wasn't justice for him. You know, the biggest issue I've found with Christians and even people is this issue of justice and grace. We get caught up and justice, someone has to pay. There needs to be justice. Where's the grace? Where's the grace? The legalists call for, for justice. Those of mercy call, call out. Those are following God call out for, for grace. Jesus came because he was a response of, of grace. He knew that God would restore these people. He knew God's power would be transformative and restorative. He knew God would forgive them. I like the Philippians 2.4. It says that let's look at, uh, look, let's look at not only your own interests but the interests of others. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, Love and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord with what? A sincere or pure heart. May we each take time out, even today, a spiritual stock take. What does it look like? What does my heart look like to you, Lord? What am I doing this for? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Who am I in this? What do you want to do and say through me? What is your purpose? What can you do through me? Ask these questions. Take a spiritual checkup. What is driving me? What is moving me? What is driving you? What is moving you? Non-negotiable. Number three, if you are a believer today, then you make sure that you are dealing with those hurts that you have until full healing is complete. The miracle is in that moment, in an instant, there's a miracle, there's that healing, there's that answer. Healing is a process. And we can see that Jonah's story, Jonah's narrative here, is, is exactly this, that he was learning. He was learning. He was having to unlearn and relearn. I've seen churches carry significant hurt, past experiences, Situations, issues, leadership, pastors, congregation. It's so sad. Everyone knows about it. Can't pull it back. Everyone knows about it. Happens to happen. It's gone out there. You can't pull it back. It can all be refixed and resolved, but everybody in the community pretty much will know about it. And it can hinder the work of God that God wants to do in a particular church. I've seen churches carry significant hurt. We went to a church, what we would call, there was blood on the walls. It was terrible. People warned us not to go there because of the blood, the stain on the wall and the tragedy and the situation that occurred. I was warned not to go there. Past a friend saying, I wouldn't do that. But we felt God said go. 
We could have done a Jonah. There was other opportunities. There were easier opportunities, more convenient opportunities. But God says go. And when God says go, I've learnt one thing. You go where God says go. You do what God says to do. You do it. Because you're going to be accountable to him. There's no time to muck around. We do it. We do it whatever. We work it out, we understand it, and we get there and we do it. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely we will. But at least we're having a go. At least we're having a go, yeah, mug, they say. <laughs> what I've noticed is when a culture or a place or a church holds on to something, I can tell you it is very difficult for God to work there. Something spiritual has to happen. Something supernatural has to happen. There needs to be a restorative sense of grace and love in that place. That's what we need to believe for. We need to believe it to see it in my own life and our own lives. We all carry spiritual garbage and baggage all the time. And our life is the sum of our experiences that shape us into the person that we are. How we think, how we behave. The Bible reinforces this way of thinking that is not only to be harmful, harmful for us, but it's not gospel living. One of the words, one of the things you'll hear around what's happening in these nations of the world right now is there is a shaking. But guess where it's happening first? In the church. In the church. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to and pastors of churches are saying the same thing. You'll hear me say this week after week, I'm not making it up. We're talking the same thing. We're reading from the same script, the same page. And we've all got this sense that God is moving and God is doing something and God is shaping his church. And some will fall away and some will lean in and go hard after God. Who will you choose to be? Who will I choose to be? In verse 7, we know that Lord appointed a great fish with a big whale. We understand a big sea monster, but anyway, big fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah is in the belly for three days and three nights. You know what grace is? Grace is that fish. Grace is that big whale that came. We, Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And Jonah's praying almost to death. Some believe that he died. To survive that, he died, and then God resurrected him at the end. Who knows God can do that? God's in control. We don't really know, but he, when you read it, and if you read Psalm 116, the similarity of language between Jonah's prayer and Psalm 116 almost looks the same. I don't know. I'm just saying, have a read of that. But it's like you have taken me to hell. Jonah's saying, I am in hell. I, am, I have met hell. I'm in hell. This is how low he got. How low can you go in the belly of a whale? Anyway, pretty low, I think. Sorry for the jokes. Sorry for the little jokes. Verse Jonah 2.10, it says, God orders the fish to vomit him up after he prayed. After Jonah started to realise in his journey, at some point he was able to pray and said, thank you, not so much for the fish, but thank you for, for saving me from drowning. But Jonah wasn't perfect. He, hadn't, he still wasn't right. There were still things that weren't sitting right. His heart wasn't well. His attitudes weren't right. His demeanour wasn't right still. And, he, and we get to see the journey. If you read this book, I'm summarising this book in a few moments. This is a big story. Jonah's on the beach, looking around and going, wow, that was a moment. That was interesting. 
Did you hear about the guy last year, about this time last year, June, July, and off the coast of Australia, he got swallowed by, eaten by, or not, not eaten, swallowed by a whale. There's a lot of talk about Jonah whale. Don't think it was a big whale. It's pretty tight where he was. But anyway, I believe it was a lot bigger whale for Jonah. But anyway, some of you think, well, this is just a story. It's just a nice story. But you know, Jesus was considered a great teacher. Who remembers Jesus? <laughs> He's a great, was a great teacher. Yeah. Even those who didn't want to believe what he said acknowledged that he was a great teacher who spoke with authority. And he says that, that the only sign will be given with the sign of Jonah. The prophet Jonas, he says. Matthew chapter 12. Have a look at that. Even Jesus makes reference to this guy. This will be the sign of the restorative nature of God's kingdom that will be manifest on earth. And Jesus makes one reference to anybody he could have picked, Abraham and Moses, but he picks Jonah. At some point we have to be, have an honest realisation. We are the problem. I am the problem. Pardon me, you could be the problem. Jonah's problem was Jonah. In Psalm 51, I heard someone mention this before. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restoration is a change of heart. I want to know more of God and to let go of the junk that we are and we have and we possess. Oh, I want to be so much more closer to Jesus. And you know what? I can be. I just have to choose. I just have to choose every second of every minute of every hour. I choose how close I am. You get to choose how close you are. You can read in your own time the story, but Jonah went and he preached repentance. He said, God's going to come and going to judge you. And he walks up and down the streets. And what happens? They repent. Oh, whoa, we are, we are so horrible, we are so nasty, we are vicious, we are mean, we are evil. Even the king takes off his robe and he laments and says, hopefully God, the God of Jonah will, will forgive us. Friends, do you know what just happened? I don't think we'll read anywhere, partly in, we just read in the New Testament, where God moves like this and there is revival. Jonah should have been the happiest person on the planet. He goes in, he's reluctant. Okay, God, you say so. Hey, hear ye, hear the word of the Lord. You know what I mean? You're going to die soon. God's going to come down and wipe it all out. But you can repent. And they go, can we? Okay, let's do it. I see their hand. I see their hand. I see their hand. And all these hands go up. Jonah's like, oh, that's not good. I didn't want that. I was hoping God would come down and smite you all. But no, oh mighty smiter, where are you? No, they repent. See, the issue still was laid deep within his heart. He didn't want God to forgive them. He didn't want God to heal them. He didn't want to see them restored. He didn't want to see families all messed up with the idolatry and the sexual practices and thinking. He didn't, he didn't want to see that change. He, he, he wanted to be called to God's people, not to the Gentiles, not to the heathen. Jonah, again, you've got to get this, Jonah's story is a story of God's heart for people. Wherever you are at, whatever is going on with your life, 
It's an amazing story. So privileged to read it. I've just been just musing over this, going, wow, Lord, you are so good. Three ten, chapter three, verse ten, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah wasn't happy. In fact, Jonah wanted to die. He was angry and he was upset. And we said, we need healing in our hearts. The Bible warns about carrying anger in our hearts. He was angry at God. He was angry at God. There's so much in here. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Yet the sailors on the ship had more grace for him, for one person, than he had for all these people. The contrast is just mind-boggling. Surely he could have been excited. This is revival. The whole town turned and fasted and lamented and cried out. But Jonah was still on the journey. He still needed God's restorative grace to work in his own heart. Jonah had, in a sense, still checked out spiritually. Jonah is a never-ending story. It's a story that you and I get to live each and every day and see around about us. See, at the end of the book, it doesn't conclude. There's no conclusion. There's no summary. There's no full stop. That's it. Well done. God finishes speaking at the end of Jonah. We have a question. that's still to be answered. And this is what he said. Should I not have more concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from their left, speaking of children, and also many animals. It is estimated over 600,000, almost the whole state population, living population of Tasmania, plus some, repented and turned to the Lord. In this moment, children, mums, dads, grandpas, uncles, aunties, it's an amazing, amazing story. The question serves only one purpose, to give insight into our heart, to lead him and to lead us to a place of confession and repentance. At times I feel unworthy. Unworthy to be a leader, unworthy to be a pastor. At times maybe even to be a follower of God. How about you? Sometimes I don't feel I'm the best person or the right person. I make mistakes, I have regrets, but I can't live there because they churn in my heart and they can make us become very bitter. Read Psalm 116, as I said. But maybe we all can reflect on the pain of the past, the regrets and the, of the problems and the absence of mission. Maybe we can just ask, God, please don't abandon us, don't leave us to our own strength, our own devices. Just maybe, God, we can, there can be one or two people who can truly believe for God to move in a way that maybe he hasn't done for some time. In our hearts, but in the hearts of his people. May we not become imprisoned by the past and the situations and the leadership and the happenings that I hear about from time to time. May we not be imprisoned by that. May that not be our legacy. May that not be our marker 
We put it in the ground and go, that's, no, may we just say, that happened, it happened, and God, I pray that you heal me, and I pray that our church can be whole and healed so that we can do what you've called us to do. Maybe we should pray that. See, Jonah sacrifices himself on the ship. He says, throw me over that you may be saved. I don't want to save Nineveh, but I'll, if it's my, I'll give my life. I'll lay down my life. You've got to get this. What if Jonah just had to said, you know what? God, let me pray. God of heaven and God of earth, oh, I'm a sinful prophet. Oh, I know that you are merciful. I know you are great. Please forgive us and let this storm stop that you will save these sailors and these friends of mine and that I will do whatever you want to... Why didn't he pray that? Why do you have to go through all this? Because he couldn't deal with this. And if he prayed that prayer, it was just words. It wasn't going to be real. It wasn't going to be... How many times do we pray? We pray words, but we don't pray from the heart. Jesus challenged that. That was the difference with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They prayed up here. They never prayed from in here. I'm the spirit of man, spirit of woman. I'm going to close. I'm going to offer an a challenge and an invitation. Can we become, imagine becoming anew, re- receiving a fresh healing, becoming whole emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally? I can. I can see it. But restoration is a heart commitment. But it is part of our call and our destination. Friends, what is God saying to you and me right now in this season as we learn and hear what happened with Jonah? What is God showing us? How is God leading us? And what is he leading us into? The considerations of Jonah must be our own. We must read this book and we must be cut to the call. We must fall to our knees and say, God, help us that we don't become like this. That we don't become like a Jonah. So friends, the non-negotiables are moving in the right direction. Our ability to allow God to lead us by the Holy Spirit. Paul said, as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me and leads me. May we be serving with a right heart to serve and be with an open heart, with humility in our hearts. Hebrews says, let us go on with sincere hearts into his presence. And may we deal, deal with our past hurts. And we all have them. Stuff that comes up and we give it back to Jesus. It comes up about someone who did this and I give it back to Jesus. I choose to either give it back and acknowledge Jesus as Lord of my life, or I dwell on it and I just feed it. Feed the monster. It'll grow. The past, the people, the problems can move us forward or move us backwards. That's not God's very best. God wants us to be healed as a church and as a people. Paul and John say, don't allow anything. Look up the scriptures. Don't allow anything to hinder you. So I'm going to invite you to do something. Where you sit, where you stand, I'm going to ask you just to do a couple of things, really bear with me the time. I just want to just share this with you. At times I just feel when there's messages and then there's messages. I believe this is a prophetic message.
Like I, I'm not, I can move in the gift of prophecy, I can move in the gift and even in the unction of being a prophet if God wants to do that. I consider myself a prophet, but I feel to speak this word to you, to me, to us. Don't be discouraged. And I know some of you go looking at empty seats and you get upset and you look at that. It's happening everywhere. Churches are the same size, are the same, feeling the same as what we're feeling. It's happening. It's not us. We're not out, signalled out and isolated. It's, it's, a, it's a happening event, a global event, if you like, a national event, even in Tasmania. But we have to make a decision. What sort of church are we going to be? What sort of people do we want to be? Who do we want to be? And how do we want to be known? And who do we want to be known for? This is the challenge that I feel and I'm going to lay it out to you. I'm going to ask you and I'm going to invite you that today if you'd like clarity in your direction and calling out God, I want to ask you to either raise your hand or come up the front. We want to pray. If you are struggling and maybe your heart is burdened at the moment and you just feel that there's pressures and there's burdens or there's things in the past that have laid and weighed you down, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, stand up where you are or come down the front. I'm going to ask you to make a decision. It's up to you what you do. And there are those even who are so hungry, they are hungry for breakthrough, hungry for God to minister and move, maybe in your family, maybe in your own life, maybe in the life of those around about you. Maybe we've just got to be cut to the heart today. Think on the message that Kristen had just shared before. We should be challenged. We should be cut to the core. We shouldn't be happy that people are dying. We shouldn't be happy that people are living in cars and that's their home. We shouldn't be happy about that. We'll just ignore it and then admit it's not happening. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll turn the other way like Jonah did. I don't want to do it. I don't want to face it. What is God asking of us? But may we all each be open for healing, for restoration and trusting God in this season that we can get on with the mission, we can get on with the vision, we can get on with seeing people's lives change. Because I can't change them, but God will work for me and he will work for you. I'm going to ask you, is that you right now? Would you like to come forward? Come forward. We're going to pray corporately in this moment. If you'd like to raise your hand or stand where you are, if God has been speaking you, to you in these last few moments, I'm going to ask you to respond personally. I'm going to ask you to do that right now. What is God saying to you? This is your time. This is your moment. This is our moment. This is a marker. This is a challenge for us. Do you want to come or do you want to just watch and criticise and critique? You want to come with God. What God is saying to you. What is God saying to me? I'm so burdened by this. I'm so challenged that God has got to change. Can't blame the past. Keep blaming the past. Keep blaming this person. Keep blaming that pastor. Keep blaming that leader. It's enough. God says it's enough. Stop it. Let's get on with the program. Let's get on with the mission. Let's go on. Let's get on with it. We need Jesus more. We need him more. You know it. I know it. Thank you for standing. Thank you for identifying in your heart, wherever you are, whether you stand or sit, but in your heart you make a decision. You make a decision. Maybe this could be the day, this could be the moment that God has put a marker and drawn a line in the sand and says, now I get it and now you get it and now things will begin. Just maybe. 
For all those who have come up, for those who are standing, for those who are coming before God, I'm going to pray a, a prayer now, right now. A prayer of release, a prayer of healing, a prayer of reconciliation, a prayer of restoration. And if you believe it, you pray it with me. The words aren't on the screen. Apologies for that. But I want you to have a look at this. Just be open as I pray. I'm going to pray right now. Loving God, I hold in your healing presence the past, the past wounds and hurts, the past decisions and mistakes that we ourselves have made and even as a church. And we ask you for a deep peace of Christ to now be made manifest right now. That you would heal every spiritual scar, every wound and every painful memory that resists your mercy and grace so that we may know you more than ever before. We now invite you, Jesus, to heal us and forgive us and to restore us that we may obey, we may follow, we may surrender and that we will not allow the past to dictate to us anymore the good, the bad, the ugly it is what it is, it's history this is today, this is now the day which we must focus on and we must choose to serve you so help us and forgive us in Jesus name and everyone said Amen. amen thank you for allowing me to share that message with you God bless